the Holy Gospel of Mark. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did, know what, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw him, saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever been told a secret? Have you always kept a secret? No? Why would you not keep a secret? Now it's a secret. Okay. Yeah. Why would you not keep a secret? What would, be a, what would be one reason why you might not keep a secret? You want to give it to somebody? It's such good news you can't keep it in, you have to share it with everybody. Jesus in his life told people a lot of times, just like in our gospel lesson for today, don't tell anyone what you've seen. There were other times when people were healed by Jesus and he said, don't tell anyone what happened. But the news was so good they couldn't help but tell. I hope that as you go and you learn this morning, you'll learn something that you won't want to keep secret. This, the, the, the secret is out. God loves you. And God wants you to not keep that secret from the rest of the world. Go and listen for the voice of God. You share your secret with your friend? Please be seated. Good morning. Happy last Sunday of Epiphany. In our annual lectionary of readings, we read the story of the Transfiguration on a Sunday two times a year. In fact, I think the last time we read it, it was Christopher's first Sunday, and he preached it. And that doesn't count the weekly readings that we do if we're following the daily lectionary 
And I'm not quite sure how many times it comes up, but at least once a year. So the transfiguration of Jesus is an important passage. And there's lots of things in there. We could spend weeks in a Bible study just looking at this passage. There's a triptych that this passage is the center of, three different spots in Mark's gospel that, have, that are really tied together. One of them, the baptism of Jesus, the transfiguration, and then when Jesus dies on the cross and, and the whole area is covered in dark cloud and the, and the curtain is rent in two. So that's a triptych that appears in Mark's gospel that scholars absolutely acknowledge as being significant to the witness and the life of Jesus. There's the significance of Elijah and Moses being on the mountain with Jesus. And there's significance in that only three disciples go up on the mountain with Jesus. And there's significance of Peter wanting to build booze. And there's, as Michael alluded to with the kids, there's the messianic secret, which is a theme in Mark where Jesus is constantly telling them after this amazing experience that they've witnessed of healing or transfiguration, which actually in the Greek means metamorphosis. You don't get to tell anybody. Keep your mouth shut, guys. Not yet. You don't get to say anything. But the thing that really struck me when I was preparing for this morning is in verse 7. And it's where this dark cloud, they're on the mountain, <clears throat> the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and they're on the mountain, and this dark cloud envelops Peter, James, John, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. And Jesus' whole being was transfigured. He was shining. And a voice from the cloud says, this is my son, the one whom I love, listen to him. Listen to him. In the chapter just preceding today's verse that we read, <clears throat> Peter proclaims when asked by Jesus, who do people say that I am? Remember that passage? And, and they say, well, they, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Moses. But Peter says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. And then right after that, Jesus starts telling the disciples that he's going to, that he's going to be tried, convicted, tortured, and killed. And Peter says, no, that's not going to happen, Lord. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Peter rebukes Jesus because Peter failed to listen. Listen to him, God says. Recognize that Jesus is not just a great teacher, a prophet, an amazing healer. He is the Messiah. He's the Christ. <clears throat> listen to him. The words listen and hear are verbs. They're active. They describe action. Our lives are meant to be active based on what we hear from God and also 
what we hear from our sisters and brothers who cry out to be heard and understood. To listen creates a relationship. Such intimacy is the catalyst for transformation in our lives. Developing our God-given listening and hearing skills deepens our relationship with God and gives us the ability to be attentive. The outcome of listening is a deepening of intimacy in relationship with each other and with Jesus. And it seems to me there are two types of listening we need to cultivate. The first is obvious from our passage. Listen to Jesus. Listen to God. And the second is cultivating our ability to listen to each other. Listening to God, learning to discern God's voice from all the other voices that bombard us on a daily basis is a lifelong process. But I'm absolutely certain that each of you are already on a journey of learning to listen to God and that you're hearing the voice of Jesus. On Friday night, I had the privilege of being at the vestry retreat, the beginning of that, the dinner, and, excuse me for a second, and what Father Michael had each person in the room do is share our story of how we came to arrive at this place, at St. Wilfred's. Without exception, each person's story involved listening to the call of God. God's call leading them to this beautiful family of believers. The stories were as varied as each individual who told them, but the common thread that each person or family group were seeking God's direction and heard the Spirit of God calling them to this place. The point is, each of us are already in the process of discerning the voice of Jesus. Sometimes it's easy to listen. Sometimes the answers are obvious when we're seeking direction from God, when we're discerning what it is God would have us do or be or where God would have us go. But other times the process of listening And discernment and hearing happens over a period of time with steps and missteps along the way. The key is to remain open and to recognize that God does speak and that God's patience with our efforts to listen, to hear the voice of Jesus, God's patience with that process in us is endless. As we become accustomed to listening and hearing, our discernment improves. And we grow in our ability to listen to him. The second type of listening 
we need to cultivate is the ability to listen to each other. Now, I don't know if you've noticed lately, particularly in American culture, we become pretty terrible at listening to each other. Author Margaret Wheatley says, Through listening to one another, we become more whole, healthy, and holy. Without listening, we grow increasingly fragmented, which leads to suffering. In public places, in the media, we reward the loudest and most outrageous. People are literally clamoring for attention, and they'll do whatever it takes to be noticed. Things will only get louder until we figure out how to sit down and listen. People are hungry for intimacy. As Christians, we have an important answer to that hunger. God tells us, this is my beloved son, listen to him. We're called to listen to Jesus and to listen to the Jesus we see embodied in each other. For we are all created in God's image, and we are all God-bearers. Last week, Father Michael reminded us that in our uniqueness, as Psalm 139 tells us, that we're created and loved by God, we're created in our mother's womb, and we're given specific, unique-to-us gifts and talents meant to be shared with the world, with each other, that we are gospel carriers, that we might be the only gospel people ever hear or see. As intentional listeners, we embody the heart of God. Something I've come to learn working with homeless people is that one of the most important things I can do, the most important thing I can do is treat them as human beings. Listening is so important, making eye contact, taking the time to have a conversation and be present with them. Quite often, those of us who are housed and have a fairly comfortable life look through homeless people, failing to acknowledge their existence, even their humanity. And I have to admit, I've been guilty of that. Something, somebody panhandling me on the street that, um, it, whose appearance might be a little bit scary or who, who might smell um, less than wonderful, walking by, not making eye contact, not make, making, having a conversation with that person. But God calls us to listen to him and to listen to one another. To know that, one, that you are being heard, that another person is actually listening, is one of the most valuable gifts we can give each other. The ability to listen, the intention to listen, is a gift to be given and to be received. At BCIS, much of what we do is sourced in our listening 
We see people. They come in. They fill out the forms to become a client. And we hear their stories. And we hear what they need for the day. And we pay attention to them. We listen to them and do our very best to provide what is needed in that moment. But the key is listening. When I first came to BCIS for a little over four years ago, I fairly early on I met this female client. Um, we, I had the privilege of sitting down and talking with her and finding out what she needed for the day. And she was distressed, so I had to listen very carefully. And in that listening, we both discovered that what she needed to our mutual frustration, BCIS would only be able to provide in part for her needs. As I talked with her and listened to her, I learned that she had been a longtime homeless client of BCIS. She was college educated. She was pretty beaten down, and yet there was this spark of possibility in her eyes. She had not lost all hope. She hadn't totally given up. Well, recently, I realized we hadn't seen each other in a couple months and I arrived at BCIS and, and put my stuff away and I rounded the corner into the clothing area of, of our facility and there she was. And when she saw me, her eyes filled with tears and she ran to me and gave me a huge hug and told me that she had really, really missed me. As we got caught up, I was struck by the fact that the very best gift I've ever given this friend and client and sister and human being is not a lunch, is not clothing or hygiene items or an occasional bus pass, but the very best thing I've done for her is to listen to her. Our baptismal covenant charges us to respect the dignity of every human being. In order to do that, in order to respect every human being's dignity, we must value relationship with each other and we must recognize that relationships are built and begun when we listen to each other. This is the last Sunday of Epiphany, and on Wednesday we'll begin the season of Lent with the imposition of ashes. And Lent is often, as you know, a time where we reflect on our lives and we reflect on what it is God's saying to us, where we listen, where we um, pay attention to the areas of our lives that might need conversion, that might need God's touch, that might need God's word. And my prayer for myself and for you is that maybe the thing that we take on 
during this season is the intention to listen. This is my beloved son, God says, listen to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.